In chapter 1, Jonah found himself uh, being thrown overboard um, after running away from God and his message that he was to deliver. And he had been um, swallowed by a large fish. So we pick up the story at chapter 2, Jonah's prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sunk down, the earth beneath barred in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we continue on our sermon series, Beginning Again. And this is a series that we really hope will encourage each one of us, no matter where we are on our Christian journey, to think about where we are and to think about and to consider where we would like to be with God and to be encouraged to push on to go further and deeper with those journeys with God. And there is a book that goes with this series each week. We're going to be preaching and then there's there's more that you can look at within this helpful book by John Pritchard, Beginning Again on the Christian Journey. And it's not just for new Christians, it's for anybody who wants to press on deeper with God. And I have some of those books, and they're 6 99 You can buy them for yourself, or you could get together with others and pass them around. But it's full of helpful ideas and spiritual insights to help you on your way. And over the next weeks, we're going to be thinking about key aspects of our Christian lives and lifestyle. But this morning, we're focusing on beginning again with prayer. And so as we do that, I wanted to start with a little story about prayer. And um, apologies before I uh, share this story for any cat lovers out there. (laughs) After his cat got stuck in a tree... A vicar mounted a rescue operation. He decided to climb a ladder, tie one end of a rope to the narrow trunk of the tree and the other to the tow bar of his car. He drove gently forward 
and the inevitable occurred. The rope snapped, catapulting. Got to be quick, see what they did there. The cat into the sky. No more was heard of the cat until a few weeks later. The vicar went to visit a member of his church, a young mum and her little boy. In her front room, when he went into the house, lying on the rug, was the vicar's cat. How did you find such a lovely cat? The vicar asked, with thinly disguised innocence. You'll never believe it, replied the mother. My little boy's been desperate to have a cat for months now. And in the end, I got so fed up of him asking and asking, I told him to come out into the garden where I was hanging out the washing. And I told him that the only thing to do was to pray. So we put our hands together, looked to the skies and prayed, Dear Jesus, please send us a cat. And you'll never guess what happened next. So, why pray? Why is prayer so important? Well, in his helpful book, John Pritchard would say that to ask a question like this is like asking a question, why breathe about our physical lives? Prayer is like breath to the spiritual life or to our relationship with God. Breath is essential for our physical lives. Prayer is essential to the spiritual lives. So we pray to stay alive as Christians, to breathe in the oxygen of God's presence and love. We pray to share our lives with God, to keep him central and involved in what's happening. We pray to get to know God better. We pray to express our love and our thanks to God. Not out of duty, but out of a relationship and a love affair with him. We pray as part of our love and relationship for others as Christians when we care for other people. Part of that is lifting them in the presence of God. And we pray to bring our own needs to God. And that's okay to do that. One of the challenging things about doing a job like this is that you have to move around quite a bit, whether it's for training or for different posts, Tim and I have moved around an awful lot over the years. And one of the difficult parts of that is that friendships that you make, where you get used to seeing somebody day after day and sharing your life with them, actually, when you move to the other end of the country, it makes it a lot more difficult. You can't keep up with people in the same way. And one of the sad things is when you then pick up the phone or they make a phone call to you, a friend who once you knew every detail of their lives, you realise in a conversation that you've actually missed big chunks or significant things, and it's really difficult. And that's like prayer. That's why God calls us to keep in touch, because prayer is about a relationship at its most basic with God. And just like any relationship, It's nothing without communication. And so this morning, to help us on our journey of discovery with prayer, I want us to take a look at Jonah as an example where we can see something more about ourselves and something more about God. Because Jonah was somebody who discovered that keeping the lines of communication open with God is a crucial thing. So we're going to explore four key aspects 
of Jonah's adventure that will enable us to revitalize and deepen our own prayer lives. So firstly, I want us to think about place because we see that place plays a part. Thrown overboard, Jonah faces what seems like certain death. But God does not abandon this reluctant prophet. Instead, he gets him where he wants him in the most unusual way. At God's command, we hear, a large fish swallows Jonah where he stays for three days and nights. From deep within the fish, Jonah prays to God and shares his deepest thoughts and his experiences with him. There's no distractions, nowhere to run. And if you like, Jonah is forced to talk to God. So the fish can be seen as a vehicle, a vehicle of God's deliverance of Jonah, not a punishment for him. And also a vehicle in the sense that it takes Jonah to a place where he can see and align himself with the plans and purposes that God has for his life. The fish is a vehicle that takes Jonah to God. It's in this situation that he's enabled to draw closer to God and to spend time with him. The vehicle by which he develops a closer relationship with God. And Jonah's experience goes to show us that it's sometimes in the most difficult, dark, dangerous places of our lives that we end up having the most valuable conversations with God. Can we relate to this in our own lives? Have we got an experience of this, of being somewhere really, really difficult, in a really difficult situation, maybe through illness or whatever, but being forced, if you like, to see God and to see him in a new way? I know that I've had conversations with some of you that would echo this. That is your testimony. And I just want to raise for each of us the questions of, What kind of place are we in at the moment? Do we feel it's an isolated place, a lonely, difficult place? If so, where's God in that? Or is it an exciting, positive, embracing place? Because Jonah's example shows us something of how God meets with us in the ways and the places that we least expect. And there's no limit to the way in which God will do that. It can blow your mind sometimes. And it's not where you pray, but how you pray that it's important. Secondly, I want us to think this morning about presence. Because building on thinking about place, the next striking aspect of Jonah's adventure and how it can help us is thinking about God's presence. How God is at work within the places and the circumstances of our lives. John V. Taylor says that prayer is being present to the presence of God or keeping company with God, as St. Cyril of Alexandria puts it. But prayer at its most basic is being in the presence of God and God making us aware of his presence with us. And Jonah knew this. Jonah's taken away from the distractions of everyday life and he spends time in God's presence In my distress, Jonah says in verse 1, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. 
Jonah knew that God was with him and that God was there for him in what he faced. And we see that when he spends time in the presence of God, he can't remain the same. There's a change of heart. There's a change of attitude. We see verse 9. What I have vowed, I will make good. Changes things, that experience of God that he has. Something happens when we spend time in the presence of God. It has consequences for our lives and for us as people. We're changed by it. And interestingly, striking as well in this story, how it's God who initiates this time. It's God who makes the the fish swallow Jonah, and it's God who at the right moment vomits him back up onto dry land. So actually we see how it's God at work. And I think that so often it's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that it's about us making encounters with God happen. It's all about us. We have to get the conditions perfectly right. We have to get our lives in order. We have to worship long enough and hard enough. But Jonah's example encourages us that, yes, we have to reach the point where we're willing to meet with God and we're open to him. But actually, it's God. God is the one who initiates and God is the one who is at work in our lives. So questions for us. When's the last time that you had, that I had, a really deep encounter of God's presence, of being in God's presence? Is God very real to you at the moment, if you're honest? Are you clearly sensing God's presence? And what's he doing with you, therefore, if you are? Because we can't remain the same when we're in his presence. He wants to change us and move us on. Do we need to be reminded that we need to stop striving, if you like, and just allow God to be God and have his way with us? Thirdly, then, I want us to think for a moment or two about problems. Because we see that addressing problems is key to beginning again with prayer. Jonah, when you read about him and you see his story, was one of the most mixed up and reluctant of all the Old Testament prophets. His failure not being that he was a false prophet, but that he was a pretty disobedient one. And one who thought more about himself and his own reputation than doing what God wanted for him and being willing to align himself with that. And the passage tells us, we hear in chapter 1, that he ran from God and that he was fleeing from him. And I wonder, have we had an experience of running from God? Are we running from God at the moment? And I think if we're honest, maybe each one of us does that in, in one way or another. In which case, why? And I think that one of the major things that ruins our prayer lives or can risk to ruin it is when we feel that God fails to answer our prayers. Or when, like Jonah, what God, we know that God wants to do in our life is not what we want. And we can't kind of hold those two together. It doesn't feel like it sits very comfortably with us. Michael Hare Duke says this about prayer. I believe that prayer makes things change. But there is no guarantee which things. Sometimes prayer changes me. I can cope with the things that I dreaded, for instance. 
sometimes prayer reaches another person. And sometimes events do change their course. It's a yes-no situation. But it's about opening myself out before God and discovering that there is a love at work beyond my own to see me through. God always answers, but we might think that he hasn't, and we might struggle with that when we don't see the answers that we would like in our lives. And I know my story of my kind of prayer life is that it took a huge knock when Tim and I were struggling, trying to have a family, and I really struggled that I felt that God didn't hear me because he didn't answer the prayers of my heart in the way that I expected and I wanted. But yet at the same time, he was at work creating a situation where we could adopt our three beautiful children. And we look back now and we think, how on earth did that happen, that situation? But it was God. God was at work. God heard my cries and he answered in the way that he knew was best and he brought good out of that situation. And I think maybe for some of us this morning, we might be running from God because we're struggling with the fact that maybe he doesn't answer in the way we would like or there's something really difficult going on. And I want to encourage us, each one of us, to be open, to know that God is with us and that he does answer us and he hears us, but to be open enough to allow God to be God in our lives and our situations. So finally then, just a word or two about the practicalities when it comes to prayer. What's the best way to pray? And how can you answer that question? It's going to be different for each one of us. But I think the answer is that we need to be free to be the people that we are before God in prayer. John Pritchard in his book, he um, quite humorously says that the trouble with is that the stereotype for holiness is an introvert with too much time on his hands. And uh, I can relate to that because for a long time, I worried that I wasn't praying properly because I would go through the day and I would be praying at work. I would be praying at various points, responding to what was happening in the day, praying for the children after they'd gone to sleep and then going to bed feeling guilty that I hadn't had my prayer time. And what I've come to see is that actually for my personality, I need to be set free to see that actually that works really well for me, to pray in response to things that are happening throughout the day. And yes, I need to make time to go and spend other time with God and in different ways, but actually I am praying each and every day. And I think the same goes for each of us, that we need permission to be the people who we are and to pray in the ways that work best For some people, it might work to have a place, and that might be a chair in the lounge or in the bedroom, but actually it could just as easily be a lith hill or a mountaintop or wherever works for us, or prayer with a friend. It's about finding the way and the places that work for us, those sacred spaces. Maybe a place that we associate with prayer, where we're halfway into prayer already just by going there. And then resources that might help us. There's loads of resources. There's notes. We might find worship songs helpful. And in John Pritchard's book, he goes through lots and lots of ideas. And um, please do get hold of the book or speak to me to talk more about some of those things. And in Litchfield Diocese, we've now got this community of St. Chad as well, a way of praying through the day that you can find on the Litchfield Diocesan website.
So that's practicalities. So I leave us just thinking about some of those questions that we've touched on this morning. Some of those things we've explored together. And I just want to give us opportunity for a few minutes now to open ourselves up before God and allow him to speak into where we are at, each one of us, in our lives of prayer with him. And we're going to listen to a song by Kerry Job, and it's called Find You on My Knees. And the lyrics of the song will come up, but just use that to just listen and be open before God as he speaks to us about our prayer lives with him.